but uh, my Bible does. Most of my Bibles do. The red letters are the words that uh, Jesus said. They're quotes directly from Jesus, and you can find them in the, the Gospels. Um, and that song, that video is all about the relationship that he has with God. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is your relationship with God, our relationship with God. So let's turn to the Old Testament, and let's look at Jeremiah chapter 13. And let's talk about this relationship that we have as New Testament believers from the Old Testament. Because there's a lot to learn about Jesus Christ from the Old Testament. And there's a lot to learn about our relationship with God from the Old Testament. And today I want to encourage you, don't neglect your relationship with God. When we walk out here today, I want you to be encouraged to pursue God. To develop that relationship, to grow in that relationship. To, uh, to lean on Jesus. Jeremiah 13, we're going to start at verse 1, and it says, This is what the Lord said to me. Jeremiah wrote the book of Jeremiah. That's why it's named after him. And the Lord said to Jeremiah, Go and buy a linen belt and put it around your waist, but do not let it touch water. So I bought a belt as the Lord directed and put it around my waist. Then the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the belt you bought and are wearing around your waist and go now to Parath, and hide it there in the crevice of the rock. So I went and hid it at Parath, as the Lord told me. Many days later, the Lord said to me, Go now to Parath and get the belt I told you to hide there. So I went to Parath and, and dug up the belt and took it from the place where I'd hidden it. But now it was ruined and completely useless. And then the word of the Lord came to me. This is what the Lord says. In the same way, I will ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. These wicked people who refuse to listen to my words, who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, and go after other gods to serve and worship them, will be like this belt, completely useless. For as a belt is bound around a man's waist, so I bound the whole house of Israel, and the whole house of Judah to me, declares the Lord, to be my people for my renown and praise and honor, if they have not listened to me. Let's pray together, will we? Okay, let's bow. Father God, we come before you today in Jesus' name. And God, we thank you for Jesus and what he said and the lessons and teachings he left behind. And your spirit teaches those very same things to us today. And so we thank you for this relationship that we can have with you because of Jesus Christ, because of the blood of the Lamb, because his body was broken for us. He sacrificed his life on the cross for me, for all of us, for the world. So we thank you for that. And so you've, you've brought us into this relationship through Jesus. He is made it possible for us to know you. And so I pray, God, today that you'll strengthen all of us not to neglect our relationship with you, not to let it be ruined, not to become useless. Let it, let it be flourishing. Let it grow in our lives. Let us, as your people, become stronger in our faith, to become more simply giving over to you of our very lives. That every day we get up, it's your day with us, and we give that day to you. And I just pray, Father, that our relationship that every person's relationship here this morning will flourish like flowers in the spring like the trees when they turn green again that we would flourish because of our walk with you our relationship with you so father today as i speak about this issue i pray father that you would speak through me and that you would guide these folks father to to the cross to christ maybe if they need that maybe they just need to come to the table and eat bread and drink the cup and and, and be encouraged that way Maybe they need to hear something from your word. I pray that we, you would speak to each and every one of us, Father, from your word and through your spirit. 
And I ask this all for your glory, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> As a pastor, and I've served in several different churches now over my life, I've noticed it seems hard for people to maintain their relationship with God on a day-to-day -day basis. We kind of get hot and cold. We, we kind of just uh, we do well for a while, then we kind of slack off or whatever. And it's not so much that we walk away from God, is it? It's kind of that we drift away. It seems like we get caught up in life, what's going on in life, the good and the bad, and we kind of just drift away from God. We kind of go down the wrong stream, the wrong current, and we drift away from God. So that means we have to, we have to be intentional about this relationship we have with God. Because God, I tell you, I'm telling you right now, if you're a follower of Christ, you have a relationship with God, and he's trying to reach you every day to touch your life in some way. How is our relationship with God defined? How do we define that or understand that? Our relationship with God is defined by faith. Did you know that? We walk by faith and not by sight, right? Yeah, but also by what we do. By the way we live our lives as God's people, as followers of Jesus, what we do and the faith that we have defines our faith, defines our relationship. If we're going to have a fulfilling, vibrant relationship with God, there are some things we have to do. There are some things that you and I have to do each and every day. Like we need to read our Bible on a regular basis instead of just reading devotional books. It's not enough to read open windows in the upper room and things like that. We have to crack open our Bibles. Baptists used to be well known for that, cracking open the Bible. Hardly ever read devotions. We read the Bible. We have to be involved in a church. That means we individually have to be involved in a church, not just on Sunday, but as, as much as we can. As much as what God calls us to do, to go and do those things that God calls us to do as a church. We have to be personally involved, engaged even, in worship. That means we have to sing. Each and every one of us needs to be singing to God these things that we, we sing about every Sunday morning. We're gathering together. We're singing to God. You're not singing to me, and, I, and you sure don't want me singing to you. So we're singing to God. We need to worship God. We need to encourage others and in turn be encouraged by others as we serve together. The more I've read the Bible, the more and more I've come to realize how the church today is very similar to the people of God in the Old Testament. I think there's a, there's a lot of cor correlation right there. I think there's a lot of similarity. People are people. It doesn't matter what century you lived in or what era. I think people are people. And we're very much, the church very much is today like the people of God in the Old Testament. Just like in the Old Testament, the people today can be hot and cold for God. And that's the way the people were in, in Isaiah or Jeremiah's day. His lifetime, people get hot and they get cold. Jeremiah was a man called by God to be a prophet. A prophet is simply a man who tells people, this is what God told me to say. And, and God gives him the very words to say. So Jeremiah is not making this stuff up or he'd be a false prophet. So he's a man of God. He's called by God to tell people, hey, this is what God is trying to say to us. He, he was sent to prepare his people to experience God's judgment. Not God's blessings, but God's judgment. Can you imagine that? Being told to tell people bad news all the time. Would he be very popular at your house? Probably not, right? All he is is kind of a downer. Bad news. God's coming to do this. God's going to come do that. But that's what he was called to do. And he was being honest and truthful. You see, the people of God had neglected their relationship with God. And when the people of God do that, they will eventually face God's judgment. 
It's just a matter of fact. It's just the way life is. It's how God works. He warns and he warns and he warns. And then finally the warning is done and judgment comes. Now, I'm not Jeremiah. I'm not an Old Testament prophet. Um, John the Baptist is supposed to have been the last of the Old Testament era kind of prophet. So I'm not Jeremiah. And God has not told me to tell the church or America, hey, we're about to be judged because I don't know when God's judgment's coming for certain. I, I don't know the day. And you want to watch out for those people who do say they know the day of God's judgment's here. However, I do believe I'm supposed to warn people. I believe every, every preacher of God's word is supposed to warn people. And today I want to warn you, don't neglect your relationship with God. Don't neglect your relationship with God. Don't let that slip away. The passage we're reading today is a lot like a parable that Jesus taught. The parables that Jesus taught use symbolism, use words that meant more than just their open meaning. They used lots of, of uh, symbolism about farming and soldiering and being prepared. Parables usually have a moral teaching, and certainly Jeremiah has a lot of morality here in this passage, the entire book as well. He says, do this and you'll be blessed, and don't do that or you'll be judged. So parables are a warning as well. And so I believe Jeremiah was kind of a parable, a living parable in many ways. If you read his books, he wrote the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations. If you read those, you'll see his whole life was really about being a living parable. You know, the relationship that we're meant to have with God, the relationship is one-on-one, -on -one, also corporate. That's why we're in worship to get together. It's important. I hope you realize that relationship you have with God is incredibly important. God is always calling us back from ourselves because we're always at war with ourselves. We're always wanting to do the old nature, what the old nature calls us to do. We're always trying to fight off what the world says. You ought to be doing this. He's always calling us to himself. That's why we have this relationship. And so God gave Jeremiah a very hard task. He was to warn the people of God's judgments. And so that's what he sought to do. His entire ministry was based on warning people to get ready that God's judgment was coming because they had neglected their relationship with God. And he refused to quit on God. No matter how tough the task was and it was hard for him, he, he would not quit. And the blessing of it all is God never quit on Jeremiah. You know, when God gives you a hard task to do, he's not going to quit on you. Did you know that? Can I get an amen or a hallelujah out of that? Yeah. Aren't you glad that when God says, hey, I want you to teach Sunday school, or I want you to work with kids, or I want you to do this in the food pantry, or I want you to do this, and it's hard, and you're not always sure about yourself, God doesn't quit on you. Amen. Amen. That's, that has really sustained me a lot in my life. Look at your outline today. Point number one, God told Jeremiah to get something that would symbolize their relationship, something that would be a sign of their relationship. Look at verse one and two with me. This is what the Lord said to me. Go and buy a linen belt and put it around your waist, but do not let it touch water. So I bought a belt as the Lord directed and put it around my waist. God told Jeremiah, go and buy a linen belt. Notice that. Not just a belt, not just a cloth belt, not a leather belt, a linen belt. Linen was the material used to make clothing for the priests who served in the tabernacle and in the temple. Only the priests wore these clothes, and they were always made out of linen. It was a symbol of their relationship with God. When that priest wore those clothes, people knew that man had a relationship that was very special. He had that relationship with God. Now, God didn't tell Jeremiah why he wanted him to do this. 
All God says, go buy a linen belt and put it around your waist. God will not always explain everything to us. He simply won't explain every detail, the whys and what force. He won't go into depth on what he wants us to do. He typically will call us to a task and equip us as we go or reveal to us how to do things as we go. Same in life. Life is the same way. He calls us to this life, this living relationship with him, and then he begins over time to show us how he wants us to live. And we're supposed to hold on to those lessons and live the way he calls us to live. And maybe we're supposed to do something different, in a sense, in our lives when we live in this neighborhood or this town than we did in the others because we're living amongst different people now, right? Ann and I lived in Salina, Kansas City, Missouri. We lived in uh, Colorado. Now we live in Lawrence. And I tell you, all these places are different in many ways. You know the one constant thing, though? Well, there's several. One is sin. Sin is everywhere we go. It's all over our country. There is no, there is no Goshen in America. It's all, all sin that comes short of glory. God is proven true in America. We've seen it. But also God's been everywhere we've gone to. He's already been there, and he's waiting for us to show up. And so God's always there. No matter where you go, God's there. There will be sin there, but God's going to be there too, waiting for you, waiting for you to do what he called you to do. And he's not going to explain everything. By the way, he doesn't have to, does he? Ain't true? He doesn't have to. This intentional holding back of information is part of our relationship with God. We need to understand this. He's not going to tell us everything. God wants us to follow him. And sometimes we have to do by faith what he calls us to do. Whatever that is. Figuring out what we're going to do after high school, what we're going to do after college. How are we going to do this? How are we going to have a family? What kind of family are we going to have? Who am I going to marry? Where am I going to go and live? We have to do what God calls us to do in life by faith. Now, God wants you and I to have something that will symbolize our relationship with him as well. Something that clearly identifies us as belonging to him. Something that demonstrates our loyalty is to God, not to ourselves, not to our country, not to whatever the world says to do, but to God. For Christians, for you and I, for followers of Jesus, it's the new life in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> That's our linen cloth. That's our linen, linen belt. It's supposed to be obvious. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ... He's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That's the life. That's the relationship we're supposed to have with God. It's supposed to be open. It's supposed to be obvious. It's supposed to be lived out. Just as we lived out lives of sin before Christ, we're supposed to live out lives of righteousness with Christ. And a way to strengthen our relationship with God is to always be identifiable as his people. To simply say, I am what I am and this is what I am. And to be identified that way. Now, let me just say something about identifying yourself. Don't go putting Christian stickers on your bumper of your car and then drive around town like a crazy maniac, right? Don't be rude. Don't be hollering and screaming. Don't say, I love Jesus and say, I hate you, right? Yeah, we got to be careful about that. So if you're apt to get frustrated easily driving around town like me, I don't put bumpers on my bumper stickers on my car. <laughs> but I try to watch myself. I'm trying to watch myself and my frustration level, especially with the way the streets are being fixed. I'm glad they're fixing streets, aren't you? 
Say amen. Thank God that Lawrence, Kansas is fixing the streets. But I just wish they'd do a little better job of doing it. That's all. Yeah. But we got to be careful there about that. And so what I mean by being identifiable is our lives ought to be different from unbelievers. The way we live ought to be really different. I mean really different. Some way we should stick out a bit. Not arrogantly or with pride. But we ought to have a different attitude about life. A different way of seeing and doing things in this world we live in. Believe me, we don't want to be like most of Lawrence, Kansas or the United States of America. We don't. We want to be followers of Jesus. There ought to be something about, about us that says we have this relationship with God. It's very close. It's very meaningful. It's how we relate to people when we comfort folks. You know, last week, um, one of our neighbors in our street house burned down. So I went over there and I spent time with them and talked to them. And, and um, they, don't, they don't go to church, really. And they're not quote, churchy people, religious people. They were very grateful that I stopped over and talked to them and spent time with them. Uh, they already had some water. I offered them water. They already had water. I offered to let them use our house, and they did. Use the restroom. and They had family. We, we offered to let them stay with us. Um, they had a little girl. have a little girl, and, but they have family. They're staying with their family, and they're getting that taken care of. There ought to be something different about us simply because of the way we live and the way we interact with folks. Something that shows that we are different. You know, when you go out to eat, be a good tipper. Be a good tipper. Be as good a tipper as you can afford to be, right? And don't be cheap when it comes to the tip, because guess what? That says something about you. And you don't know when that person's going to show up in church someday. And they're going to think, wow, you, I don't know if I want to go to this church because you're a lousy tipper. And you were rude. Man, just watch folks at restaurants. They can be so rude, right? Man, don't be rude to people when they're working so hard to, to bring you something to eat. Thank them and praise them. For Jeremiah, the linen belt symbolized his relationship with God. Then point number two, point number two on your outline this morning. God told Jeremiah to neglect the symbol of their relationship as a lesson to the people around him. Look at verse three to five. Verse 3, then the word of the Lord came to me a second time. Take the belt you bought and are wearing around your waist and go now to Parath and hide it there in a crevice in the rock. So I went and hid it at Parath as the Lord told me. God told Jeremiah, take that linen belt, take it off, go to Parath, bury it in a crevice. A crevice is just simply a crack or an opening in the rock. Go in there and you tuck it inside that crevice. You'll know where it's at. Leave it. Parath was a spring near the river Euphrates River. So it was about 350 miles from Jerusalem where Jeremiah lived. So to do what God told him to do, Jeremiah had to travel. He had to walk 700 miles, 350 there, 350 back. And you know the math, 350 times 2 is what? 700. Yeah, 700 miles. God told this guy to do that, and Jeremiah went and did it. Sometimes God will tell us to do something that doesn't seem to make sense. It just doesn't seem to make sense for you or for me. Something that maybe no one else has had to do for God. But what else is a relationship for than to be called upon, right? What are relationships for? To be called upon. To be asked to do something. To be told to do something. 
We do things for friends and family that are often hard, things that maybe no one's done for us. But if we have a close relationship with them, what are we willing to do? Pretty much anything, right? Our loved ones, our friends, things that we that we people we care about, we'll do things for them. Things that take time, things that are hard, that take effort. Why? Because what else is a relationship for but to do things for and with? Look at verse 6 and 7. Many days later, the Lord said to me, go now to Parath and get the belt I told you to hide there. And so I went to Parath and dug up the belt and took it from the place where I had hidden it. But now it was ruined and completely useless. Say that word useless with me. Useless. Right. What does useless mean? What? Not any good. Worthless. It can't do what it's supposed to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Remember, this bell was a symbol of Jeremiah's relationship with God. God used Jeremiah's bell to teach the people of Judah a lesson about their relationship with God, too. God was saying their relationship with God was useless. Say useless again. Useless. It was as useless as that ruined belt. You know, it's really easy to say something about God or to God with our mouths. Did you know that? It's really easy to talk, isn't it? Preachers talk all the time. Because you don't have to mean what you say all the time, do you? Right? Isn't that true? We say things. Husbands, right? We say things, don't we? Things we don't mean. You look so beautiful in that dress. Right? Some of the guys are laughing like they know what I'm talking about. And ladies, you, do, you lie back to us, too. Oh, you're, you're not going bald, Gary. You're not. The sun is just shining on that spot. That's all. You don't have to mean it, but if you want to know how serious someone is about their relationship with God, look at the way they live out their faith. Look at how people live out their faith, and you'll see, are they serious or are they just talking? In James chapter 2, verse 18 and 19, James said this, but someone will say, you have faith. And I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith for what I do. You believe there is one God good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. It's not enough to say we believe in God. I've met lots of people who say, I believe God exists, but they don't they haven't given them him their lives. And they freely admit that. It's not enough to say God exists. It's not enough to say I believe in God. Our lives have to reflect it. Simply can't say it not walk it. We've got to live it. And that's part of the relationship. That's why the relationship is so important. That's why the relationship is personal. Statement of faith is good, but our relationship with God requires more than just words. All, re all relations require something more than just words. What else is a relationship for, right? Something more than just words. Something more than just say, I love you, right? Lots of people have said, I love you, and never, ever really fulfilled that in a true sense. Then, point number three, God told Jeremiah the belt was a symbol of the people's relationship with God. He starts out saying, this is our relationship. Now he's saying, no, the, the belt is ruined. Now it's, it's the relationship I have with the people. Look at verse eight. <clears throat> then the word of the Lord came to me. This is what the Lord says. In the same way, I will ruin the pride of Judah and the great pride of Jerusalem. These wicked people who refuse to listen to my words 
who follow the stubbornness of their hearts and go after other gods to serve and worship them will be like this belt, completely useless. God told Jeremiah the people of Judah had neglected their relationship with God to the point that that relationship was now useless. It was as useless as the linen belt that he had worn around his waist. You know what a belt does, right, guys? It holds things up, right? It also holds things on. Your belt is meant to, to hold things on to you. If you're a worker, you have a tool belt. Larry, do you have a tool belt? No, you have a tool bag? Yeah. People today are more often using tool bags and things like that. You know, you can tell how old I am because I can remember wearing a tool belt back in the 80s. I don't do that no more. It's easier to carry a bag around. I get that. I put my tools in a bag at home too. So, but a tool belt, a belt, holds things on, holds things like clothes on, holds tools on. And God wanted the people of Judah to hold on to him like a belt. And that's what he wants from us. That's why we have this relationship to hold on to God with through the relationship. Not so much that he's holding on to us, but we're holding on to him because we need him. Because he's got us, but we've got to hold on to him. They chose to hold on to false gods. A false god named Baal was very popular. And they ruined their relationship with the living God, the one true eternal creator God for a God that didn't even exist, except as wood or stone or metal. I know lots of people that way. They, they worship these gods of stone and metal and wood, things that man made. They don't call them gods, but the way they act towards them, you would think they are. God said something to Isaiah about people like this. In Isaiah 29, verse 13, the Lord says, These people come near me with their, with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made up of only of rules taught by men. You see how easy it is to drift away from God? Slowly, one day at a time, just slowly kind of drift away. Instead, we should be holding on to God every day as much as we can, as hard as we can. we got to be careful with our relationship with God. It's a treasure. Did you know that? Did you know you're, through your relationship with God, you have something nobody else has? You have God on your side. He's with you. Through this relationship flow, it's like a river. It's like a river of blessing. Every, every other blessing that you ever receive comes through your relationship with God and Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing in your life. You might have married the love of your life. You might have the greatest family in the world, the greatest friends in the world. But the most important thing you have is your relationship with God. Don't neglect your relationship with God. Now look what God said to Jeremiah in verse 11. Verse 11. For as a belt is bound around a man's waist, so I bound the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to me, declares the Lord, to be my people for my renown and praise and honor that they have not listened. Man, God is really, in a sense, crying because he wants these people to be close to him. Did you know that God creates us to know him and to love him? Did you know that? Point number four, God creates us. He created us to know him and to love him. Now, we could lose hope if we don't read verse 11 carefully because it seems kind of very negative, and it does. For as, as a belt is bound around a man's waist, so I bound the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to me, but they have not listened to me. Here's the thing. God is loving and full of grace. Isn't that true? 
Yes, absolutely is. For God so loved the world. But if we neglect our relationship with God, with God like Jeremiah's linen, uh, linen belt that was left outside in the rain and snow, the wind and the sun, our relationship with God will begin to fall apart. If we continue to drift away and we never drift back and cling on to him, our relationship with God will fall apart. And by the way, so will our lives to a certain degree, maybe to an extreme degree. The Israelites were still his people. They were still bound to him. That's what he says there. He says, I bound the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah to me. That's present tense. It means I bound them. They're still mine. They still belong to me. They're not acting like it, but they still belong to me. But they're going to have to pay the price, and they did. The price for neglecting their relationship with God. God only wants what's best for us. Did you know that? And we should want it too. And if we knew what was best for us, we'd want it also. And that's what the relationship with God will do. It will teach us what's best for us because God will show us. Listen to Psalm 8, verse 4 and 5. David wrote this, and it wrote it, it's, it's really for us, for people, and it's what God wants for us, but we don't really have quite yet. Psalm 8, verse 4 and 5. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him, speaking to God. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, the angels, and crowned him, man, with glory and honor. You know when God crowned man with glory and honor? When he made him. When he made Adam and Eve in his image, he looked at them and he said, it is very good. When he created everything else, he said, it's good, it's good, it's good. Light is good. Water is good. The earth is good. Animals are good. But when he created Adam and Eve, he said, it is very good. Crowned them, crowned us with glory and honor. Because we're greater than the other parts of creation. We're greater even than the angels, or we will be someday. But we've... We've ruined that, haven't we, through our sin? We've tainted the glory and honor of God that he gave us because of our sinfulness and our waywardness. And we get slack at times. You might be thinking, what am I to God? I'm nobody special. I'm just another average working person. I'm just a person living my life. I don't have anything to give to God. Well, you are his creation. Each and every one of you is his creation. He made you to be you the way you are, the way you look, the way you've ended up right now. He made you. And he made you for something better than what you are right now. And he loves you. And he has a future that's waiting for you. He has something planned for you in the future if you only accept it from him. You can't get it on your own. You're going to have to take it from him. He's going to offer it to you, but you have to take it. And that's where it's up to us. That's our part. We have to do these things. In Revelation 3, verse 20, Jesus said to the church, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and him with me. That's what Jesus wants. That's the relationship. You know, to eat is a regular thing, right? Anybody going to eat lunch when you go out here in a little bit? You probably say, I want to meet the Beth Methodists to the, to the restaurant, right? Or at least the Lutherans. Well, eating is a regular thing, and that's what Jesus wants with us. He wants to have us have a relationship that's regular, daily, ongoing, that's living and alive, vibrant. We can't drift away. Don't drift away. Our invitation song today is the Savior's waiting. He's waiting for someone here today to, to give themselves to him, to begin that relationship with him by faith in Christ.
Why don't you just put yourself into his hands? And by the way, if you've been waiting and holding off doing this, why are you doing that? Why, what's holding you back? Fear? Are you afraid of being embarrassed or being made fun of? Pride? Maybe you're thinking, well, I'm not that bad a person. I don't commit that many bad sins. If you committed one sin, you need a Savior. And if you've only, you've only committed one sin in this life, guess what? Jesus died for you for that one sin. Whatever it is that's holding you about, doubt, you don't think Jesus can save you? You don't think Jesus can help you? Yes, he can. So don't let anything hold you back. Jesus is waiting. The Savior is waiting. Let's stand and sing as we get ready before we go to the Lord's table. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being called your people, for belonging to you. We thank you for the, the blood of Jesus that covered our sins and washed us clean. We know you're waiting for us. Help us to respond to you and to your spirit. Help us to be led by you. Help us to be your people, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.